1: This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula.
0: What do they say? October is the greatest month of the year? I think that's what they say if you're a baseball fan. Welcome back, Nuwana's Now, ESPN Radio, SWX MyTat Television, and the ESPN MT app. I'm Coulter Nuwana's. If you missed anything in the show today, you can certainly find it on the Nuwana's Now podcast, which is... Available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms, and it's probably presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store, where they're all grizz all the time, and the MSU Bookstore. Uh, interesting first hour. A lot of stuff going on in the uh, FCS, uh, the FBS, the Division One Council, D1 Council met to met, has been meeting, and... Uh, the rise in the application fee to move up from the FCS to the FBS, that's the news of the day, $5,000 to $5 million. That's a, it's a substantial price increase, I must say so myself. And We'll see what sort of impact that has on the, the landscape of college football, but certainly we'll have some. So hey, Sam Herder swung by to talk to us about that. We also uh, talked some Big Sky Conference football. Miles Hastings, UC Davis quarterback, joined us to preview uh, Davis's game against the Montana Grizzlies. And we also heard from Mike Anderson giving us a Grizz hockey preview. Three nights in a row the Grizz are in action. Tomorrow, the next night, and the next night, that's Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I got a bunch of s- schools from the Beehive State coming up. Utah Valley, then Weaver State, then Utah State. So uh, the tests will get incrementally more challenging as the weekend goes on. So that should be uh, a fun gauge. Uh, for Grizz Hockey, and and pretty cool that they've got those squads uh, coming in here uh, to Missoula. Let's talk some Major League Baseball playoffs. We'll have baseball games on anytime we can, and then anytime we're interrupting those games, uh, we'll certainly give you an update on what's going down. The game that's going on right now, the Twins and Blue Jays, is uh, the, the seventh inning just wrapped up, and the Twins are up uh, 2 to 0 uh, over the Blue Jays. Yesterday's scores included uh, as we mentioned on the show yesterday, the Rangers went in 4 nothing against the Rays. Rays did not play well. A uh, bunch of of errors and and stuff, so I think that they're probably really glad the one and done format is no longer cuz they got another shot at it uh, today. Yesterday the Twins beat the Blue Jays 3 to 1 so uh Minnesota a couple innings away from closing in on closing that series out. Uh yesterday's scores also included the Diamondbacks beating the Brewers 6 to 3 in Milwaukee, so that's a, a bit of an upset there. Uh, since Milwaukee at home field and was the uh the division champ that's basically forced to play uh, in this wild card round and then the Phillies uh they beat the the Marlins 4 to 1 the other uh, games that are taking place today the Rangers beat the Rays so that series is over Rays are out and uh like I said the twins could close out the Blue Jays uh, Diamondbacks Brewers are at five and Marlins Phillies are at six so given I mean just the way that these games could go even though it's no longer a one game format these things could be over in two days boom uh, unless Milwaukee could win unless Miami can win, and unless the Blue Jays can rally in their current game down 2-0 against the Twins. Before we get into the the playoffs, this is our ESPN roundtable presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. You want to watch baseball anywhere, uh, any of these games, go on down to Paradise Falls. They have 22 big screen TVs, 18 draft beers, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Great place to gather with family and friends alike for baseball, football, or any other sport. Uh, before we get to, to, to breaking down this playoff, uh, these playoff matchups, and, and maybe how these playoffs are going to go, uh, Jeff and Andrew, Jeff uh, Safford and Andrew Houten, are both going to chime in. Uh, so we'll start with you, Andrew. Uh, just your your favorite storylines from this year. I mean, the way that this all came down, uh, this was the, uh, to me, like the trademarks of this regular season were, one, a couple of really, really dominant runs, especially by the top two teams in the National League. Also, the way that the AL West finished and how thrilling that was. And uh, the high payroll teams, several of the teams that spent the most money, the New York teams and, and the San Diego Padres, all of them out to dry, out out of the playoff field. So what did you like? Though, What were some of your favorite storylines to follow down the stretch into the playoffs? Well, I think that's a
2: big one. Not only a bunch of the uh, high payroll teams sort of crashing and burning this season, but several low payroll teams from smaller markets now making it to the playoffs. But what really defined this season for me, Coulter, the great individual performances. I think this year has been as thick with historical individual performances as any that I have ever seen. And following those chases day-to-day was was really what defined this season for me. I mean, Ronald Acuna becomes the first player ever to go, forget 40-40, 40 <laughs> homers and
0: 70 steals. And he also hit 340. He hits 340? <laughs> 337 Lu- officially, but still, I mean, ridiculous. But, but Luis Arise
2: in Miami hits over 350. When's the last time you saw somebody do that? Shohei Otani has perhaps his greatest season, uh, where he hits 44 home runs, Oh, and also is one of the best pitchers in the AL. Corbin Carroll, the rookie outfielder for Arizona, becomes the first rookie ever to hit 25 homers and steal 50 bases. Uh, you were talking about how nobody drives in 140 runs anymore. Matt Olson in Atlanta hits Fifty-four homers and drives in 139. Amazing. Uh, it, it was just shocking uh, to see all of these guys. You know, Spencer Strider in Atlanta wins 20 games. How often do you see that anymore? Uh, it was really awesome watching all of those players accomplish and hit the individual milestones that they did. I mean, we had three guys, Acuna, arise and Freddie Freeman have 200 hits. Freddie Freeman in, in L.A., I think he hit 60 doubles, which is the first time that's happened in a long time. Mookie Betts in L.A. is having an MVP caliber season and also feel, filling in its
0: shortstop for the Dodgers. He's such a ridiculous athlete. I,
2: I just thought there was so so many great players having incredible Signature seasons. I mean, when we look back at Ronald Acuna's career when he retires in 10 or 15 years, this season is going to be one of the first things that people bring up. Same for Shohei Otani. Same, of course, for Matt Olson. And even the guys like Corbin Carroll who are just starting their careers, the accomplishments that they were able to put up this year are going to be things that we remember for a long, long time. Last
0: time somebody hit 350. Came in 2010. Josh Hamilton hit 359. The year before that, Joe Mauer hit 365. And then before that, it was all the way back to 2003 when Ichiro hit 372. And that was a different game back then. I mean, you're talking. I mean, that's you know, we sometimes our minds get warped. 2010 was a long time ago. I mean, 2010 is 13 years ago. That's a long time ago. The game has is completely changed since then. Absolutely, and I mean
2: the other ones. I mean. Freddie Freeman just had the most doubles in the season since nineteen thirty-six. If I'm looking at the list right, he didn't even get to sixty at fifty-nine doubles. Most doubles in the season since uh I guess Todd Helton had exactly fifty-nine in two thousand. Those two are the only guys to
0: hit that that number since nineteen thirty six. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to think of just even fifty double seasons. I mean, I was thinking of Albert Bell. I think did it back-to-back years at the, when, at the height of my uh, obsession with him. But certainly, I mean, across the board. And then you got Shohei Otani doing things that haven't been done since paper. Like literally so. haven't been done for more than a century. I got you chance to see Spencer Strider live this year. Guy is absolutely nasty. Uh, he's a throwback because I think that now, this day and age, there's so many different influences, but guys can throw so many different pitches. This dude doesn't throw a whole bunch of different pitches. He throws two pitches. He he throws it 99 miles per hour on the corner, or he throws it 91 miles per hour with a snap hook. It's like a slurve slider kind of. There's just a breaking ball that's just off the table. It was really fun watching him pitch. I've been to a lot of Major League Baseball games in my life, and I thought it was... That and when I saw Bartolo Colon strike out twelve and eight full against the Mariners back in the early two thousands, those are the two best single game pitching performances I'd ever seen. But Spencer Strider is certainly, uh, absolutely, uh, elite. Jeff, what ESPN uh, roundtable? Andrew Out, and Jeff Safford chiming in. Anything to add to that? I mean, what what sort of storylines did did you find intriguing this year in, in Major League Baseball?
3: Well, in a lot of ways, it was kind of a season, and obviously Andrew touched on a lot of the individual performers, and in a lot of ways, it was kind of the emergence of some teams as well, looking especially at a team like Baltimore. I mean, think about the Orioles, two years ago, we're talking about a franchise that Lost over 100 games. I mean, like, they're the
0: laughing stock of they baseball. They were awful. I in, mean, it was, it was like a question if they were even going
3: to win 60. Yeah, I mean, you're thinking about them with the 2003 Detroit Tigers, which was the worst team I have maybe seen in... I mean, maybe the Detroit Lions, the 0-16 team, could come in there also. But that 0-3 Tigers squad was right there. But now here they are, way, well over 100 wins... The East champs, now they're going to face the challenge now, thinking about the Texas Rangers. That's a real interesting series, but not just changes with new players coming in, but so much to me made of all the new changes with the game of baseball itself. And a lot of that came to light last night. I felt Scott Van Pelt really broke it all down, all the different changes last night after the ball games, talking about the pitch clock and all the changes to the game of baseball and how in the wild card. And he looked back to a time where he was a Baltimore Orioles fan in the 80s. Where the Orioles, one season, won 100 games and didn't make the playoffs. Totally. Because of what the format was. Because it
0: used to just be two divisions,
3: right? Correct. And it was four playoff teams. Here you go. Yep. You know, no real. We're now you got 12. And it's a lot of fun. And we've seen with his play playoff format where teams have had success and have won the whole thing thinking about and I think at least two who have won the world series from this wild card format I know the San Francisco Giants the 2014 iteration won from the wild card spot but I think all these changes in the game of baseball this year with the pitch clock and speeding the games up I think it's really invigorated the game of baseball and You've seen how regular season baseball was just, it moved better. I mean, the statistic I saw this season, there were nine games that were over three and a half hours long. The last two seasons, there were over, I think, 600 games that were that length. Impressive statistics. Jeff Safford, Andrew Houghton chiming in here
0: uh, on the ESPN Roundtable. So is Acuna going to for sure win the National League MVP?
3: I mean, you would have to
0: think so. I I
3: just got a future's bet on it, so I'm really hoping. I put five bucks on Acuna before the season started. That one looks pretty good. Like what Andrew talked about. I mean, 40 home runs and 70 stolen bases. To do that is just insane. It's really the only thing that was awkward about that whole sequence. It came in a game against the Cubs, and so much was made of how the Cubs' play-by-play broadcasts were kind of— broadcasters were kind of— unhappy about the game stopping and this high leverage spot in the ninth thing and inning and it was like eh, I don't know about all that. I mean this is a pretty historical thing we just saw. I had my futures bet on Julio Rodriguez to win the AL
0: MVP for the Mariners. He had a great year it hit 275 at 32 homers 103 RBI, but he's probably not the American League MVP, right? Who who do you think is the AL MVP this year?
2: Well, I think Shohei Otani has been the MVP, and even though he shut it down the last month of the season, I think that's who it's going to be.
0: (laughs) He shut it down the last month of the season and still hit 44 bombs.
2: Unbelievable. I mean, he was also one of the best pitchers in the league. I don't know if we'll ever see a season like he has had again, just because it's even for him, because it's just so difficult to do that at at such a high level, right? Uh, But uh, Corey Seager also had a good year down in Texas for the Rangers. I think he'll be probably the runner-up to Otani, but Julio Rodriguez should still be top five.
0: Okay, well, we'll see how all those uh, panned out, played out. Uh, How about then these these series that are going on right now? First of all, let's start with the one that's over already, Texas, just boom, bam, thank you, ma'am, 4-0 4-0 yesterday, 7-1 to over Tampa Bay. I mean, Jeff talked yesterday on the show about how he liked that they moved to this three-game format, so it's not just one and done, but... Two and done isn't much better if you're Tampa Bay. I mean, he's just won 100 games. I think they won actually 99 games this year, and Texas just, boom, hit them out of the playoffs. So, I mean, how surprising is this? Or is it not surprising since Texas was pretty darn salty all year long, too?
2: Yeah, Texas was a really good team all season long. I mean, they were leading the AL West for about five months of the season until yeah. they sputtered a little bit down the stretch, and Houston came up and, and overtook them. They're a really good team. I mean, and that's a Texas team that has spent a lot of money, in free agency in the past couple years, signing Corey Seager, signing his double play partner, Marcus Simeon. They've supplemented that with good starting pitching and also a bunch of young players coming up because their farm system has still been very good, uh, at, at coming up with players. Uh, the third baseman, Josh Young, who is a rookie this year, Evan Carter, who stepped in the lineup in the last couple weeks. And, uh, has now reached base in his first six playoff plate appearances. So so that's been impressive, and I think that it says a lot about, you know, even if you're getting a three-game series, so much of it comes down to the starting pitching. Jordan that's Montgomery right. was great for Texas yesterday. Nate Evaldi was just as good for Texas today. They combined to give up one run in their starts. Both of those guys pitched through the seventh. Uh, and if, if you have guys throwing like that, there's not much that you can do against them in a short series, even if, like the Rays are, you're one of the best hitting teams in baseball. I mean, the Rays have depth all up and down the lineup. If the other guys deal and there's not much you can do, and they just happen to run into to hot starters. I mean, both of those guys are good, but they just happen to run into hot starters on back-to-back nights.
0: Well, and and Scott Van Pelt highlighted this yesterday, the uh, the Jordan Montgomery acquisition was so big for the Rangers. I think he was one of four pitchers over the last 80 years that went you know, went deep and, uh, as deep as he went into that postseason game, pitching scoreless baseball, who happened to be a, a midseason acquisition. So great job by the Rangers front office to add a piece like that. If you can get any production out of a guy like that at all, it's awesome. But if you get that level of a postseason start, uh, pretty darn impressive. It's our ESPN roundtable. Major League Baseball playoff style here on ESPN Radio. It's presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. Jeff, I was watching the the Phillies game last night, and I thought two things. One, when Bryce Harper blew through the, the stop sign by the third base coach, first of all, quintessential Bryce Harper, and just the swagger and edge and reverence that he plays with. But for the first time in my life, I thought, Bryce Harper looked kind of old there. And that's a weird phenomenon because this kid has been in the the public consciousness since he is 15 years old. I mean, he's on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he's a freshman in high school. And, you know, now here he is as the the grizzled veteran on this Phillies team trying to make one last charge. But then the second thought I had was, man, the Phillies just have this this thing about them these last couple years. they could be whatever. They be kind of up and down. They've been overshadowed by the Braves in the East. They've been overshadowed by the Mets, even though the Mets haven't done anything. The Mets have been spending all this money, but I couldn't help but think last night, man, when the crowd is out in Philly and Harper's doing stuff like that and Schwarber's swinging for the fences, it's like, man, the Phillies are a hard team to
3: bet against because they just have that. They have that swagger that you just love about postseason baseball. I a thousand percent <laughs> agree with you in every aspect. And first of all, with Bryce Harper, I. Agreed. There also thinking about C in high school, and I remember his the first soundbite. I remember coming out was the infamous "Now that's a clown" question, bro, <laughs> where he was referring where they asked him about going to Toronto, going to a place where at the time he was under 21 right. and they're asking about, Hey, are you going to go out and drink? Sure. You know, being a guy that was at the time he was 19 years old. And that's a clown question, bro. And now how here he is 30 plus years old leading this club. And just the electricity in that stadium is insane. I remember hearing on the broadcast that they were equating it to an SEC football type of environment, just a wild place to play. And, And you're right, you can just see it in the dugout with this Phillies club. You see all the celebrations, the inappropriate hand gestures at second base, the the hooping and hollering, and just the swagger in general. And also, former San Francisco Giant Zach Wheeler, he has just turned himself into a postseason monster up there on the bump the last couple of seasons. That fastball changeup combination again, just outstanding last night getting through almost seven innings, shut out. And now Aaron Nola, will he be able to continue his postseason success? Not quite living up to what he did last season ERA-wise. Pretty good numbers um, at home, ERA just over three. So will Aaron Nola kind of be able to piggyback off that postseason success he had last season, just like Zach Wheeler did last night? Bryce Harper, only 30 years old. That
0: trips me out because he's been in Major League Baseball for like 12 years. I mean, he can't, like you said, he broke in when he was 18 or 19 years old. So that's why it feels like he's been around forever because he has. Um, when, it, when it comes to these series, uh, Texas is moving on. Minnesota knocking on the door of moving on. Right now they're up 2-0 in the top of the ninth. So they're three outs away from eliminating Toronto. Arizona and Milwaukee is underway and if Arizona can steal another one uh, in Milwaukee, they'll move on. But if Milwaukee can can get one, then they'll force a game three. Then you got Miami. Philly tonight, if the crowd is out in full force like they were last night, man, it's going to be tough to beat the Phillies. But which of these teams that could potentially move on from this wildcard round, Andrew, if any, do you think could make any noise? Well, I think the Phillies are a pretty good
2: shout for that. But the team that I'm going to go for is... The team that already has moved on, the Texas Rangers. There's a lot of reasons for that. Like I said, I think they're a well-built team. In a guy like Corey Seager, they have a guy who's one of the best five players in all of baseball this year. Uh, They've got talent up and down that lineup. We just talked about their starting pitching. But I also think that just speaks to, Colter, the AL seems a lot more wide open to me than the NL this year. Because the Braves in the NL... We're just absolutely lights out this year. One, dominant. One of the greatest seasons that a team has ever had, maybe the greatest
0: offense that a team has ever had. Yeah, I mean I re- I, I watched them live in San Francisco and I was just blown away, man. like they're they are just an absolute powerhouse, one through nine in the lap. They're just so good. It's unbelievable to watch them. I mean, they have they slugged as
2: a team <laughs> 501 this year. <laughs> you think about a great hitter as a guy who hits 300, gets on base. 40% of the time and slugs, 500, the three, four, five hitter. Sure. They did that as a team, as a slugging percentage. That's Matt crazy. Olsen hits 50 home runs. Acuna hits 40 home runs. Ozzie Albies and Marcelo Zuna and uh, all these guys hit 30 home runs. I think they had five 30 home run hitters in their lineup. Austin Riley is the other guy who hit 30 home runs. It's unbelievable. They've got the starting pitching because you've got Spencer Strider, They were historically good this year. And then below them, you've got the Dodgers, who got off to a slow start this year, of course. But they're still the Dodgers. I mean, they're a player development machine. They've got two of the best players in baseball. Yeah, they
0: also happen to have two of the best guys in the whole major leagues.
2: Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, who are probably going to finish second and third behind Acuna in the MVP voting. I just think it's going to be really difficult, even if the Phillies win this series... And and for whoever ends up winning the Brewers Diamondback series to go and beat those teams, especially when those teams have home field advantage, so I feel a lot more comfortable picking an AL team, and I think the Rangers already having moved on, they looked really good in these two games in Tampa. And I just think they're a good team. I mean, they easily could have won the ALS this year and have been waiting in the division series with the buy. So if I gotta pick one of these teams,
0: I'm picking Texas. We'll have as many of these games as we possibly can on uh, ESPN radio. Uh, last thing for you then, Safford. What I mean, it, it, if you had to make a championship series prediction right now, what would you pick? I mean, I think L- L.A., Atlanta is just like, it's going to be a, a crazy scenario if that doesn't happen. The Phillies, the one team maybe could disrupt it, but I think it, most people would say it's going to be L.A., Atlanta. And uh, what about the AL, though? Who do you think is going to be the championship series
3: in that one? American League Championship Series, to me, it could have a lot of different things that could play out. I mean, assuming that the Twins get by the Blue Jays, to me, yep. they're a team that is interesting. Offensively, a club that not going to blow you away with anything that, that they bring to the table. They're... Leading home run hitter wasn't over 30 bombs for the year. Carlos Correa didn't have a great season, batting average around 230. But you still have a guy like Correa that has the postseason pedigree that maybe he can put some at-bats together. And you know the Twins can pitch it with guys like Sonny Gray, who was fantastic today. Again, for the Twins, five innings, five hits, six Ks, no runs. Good stuff for him. So you look at that team pitching staff-wise, they can make some stuff happen, but you look at it with Houston, with them being the defending champs, that's such an interesting factor into it. And then the upstart Baltimore Orioles. How will they do kind of in their first test? So, to me, you got the teams that that you know are going to be able to challenge. Bruce Bochy has won three World Series championships. He knows what he's doing, leading a team. Corey Seager's been there. Marcus Simeon has been in a number of postseason battles, whether, look back, even with the Oakland A's, part of some solid teams, with Bob Melvin. So you know that the two Texas teams are going to be there. Don't mess with Texas. But what (laughs) will Baltimore be able to do with their wild crowd? So there's just so many, as Andrew kind of touched on, it's kind of the two-man race, the two heads of the table, so to speak, in the NL With the wagon that is the Braves and then the Doyers, as I call them, the Dodgers out west. And then in the AL, who the heck is going to be able to put the right teams together and pull the right strings to make a run? A true roundtable. All three of the ESPN MT
0: gents on the mic. or ESPN roundtable, probably presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula, getting you all set up for the Major League Baseball playoffs. You want to go watch the playoffs or any other... Sporting event for that matter. Head on down to Paradise Falls. They have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, food and drink specials. They're open seven days a week. Located at thirty-six twenty one Brook Street, Paradise Falls, Missoula's coolest hotspot. Evaluations of the Montana State Bobcats at the midpoint of their season as the cats are on a bye this week. Keaton Galogly, the voice of the cats, joins us next. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. Well, he is a smart and patient man. A lot of situations where you find yourself in need of attorney are a high conflict situation. And it's really important, and it's a a tenet of our firm, that we work through litigious issues in a collaborative way. It's important at Schulte Law Firm that when we're litigating these very serious issues that impact people's lives, that we do so in a way that provides the best representation and the best result to our clients. And what we have found is that the best way to do that is to litigate these issues effectively while doing so with a high degree of professionalism. We can have these disagreements
1: without making it personal.
0: Visit jshultylaw.com.
1: One, two, three. What is now on ESPN Radio.
0: Tomorrow at the Wilma, there's a live auction in preparation for the Watson Children's Shelter Tennis Pro-Am hosted by the Peak Health and Wellness Center. The action in tennis actually plays out Friday through Sunday. There's a a youth tournament going on, a a juniors pro-am on Friday morning, and then uh, all the main action, formative actions Friday through Sunday out there at the Peak uh, Health and Wellness Racket Club. You're bidding tomorrow on some elite tennis players to play with you in this pro-am. Former Olympians, Grand Slam winners, U.S. Open champions, and much more. This event promises to be a smashing blend of world-class tennis action, camaraderie, and philanthropy. And it's all for a great cause. The Watson Children's Shelter has a mission to provide safety, nurturing, and stability to children and families through quality service and trauma-informed care. Welcome back. New Now, ESPN Radio. Well, a Minute here on is Now, ESPN Radio, and uh, it is a bye week at MSU, and I think uh, pretty perfect timing for a bye week because it's almost basically at the exact midpoint of the season. Bobcats 4-1 overall, 2-0 in Big Sky Conference play, and uh, now they're getting into the meat of their schedule. Got Cal Poly coming to town next weekend, and then we're going to learn a lot about the Cats with trips to Sacramento State and to Idaho to wrap up October. Keaton Glogley, the voice of the Bobcats, joining us here on our Montessay Minute. Keith, thanks for being here, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, very well. First of all, you're a big baseball guy, too, so i got to ask you, what do you think of the baseball playoffs? First of all, do you like the, the, the revamped wild card? Do you like this three-game series rather than just the, the one-and-done?
1: I mean, you know... Whether I like it or not, Rob Manfred's not going to change it, so right. I'm just kind of appreciating exactly what it is. You know, I enjoyed the one and done. I missed the opportunity for a game 163, uh, but, you know, a three-game series is nice. I like having the top two division teams, uh, division winners, you know, get that bye. Kind of stinks for, you know, that third division winner not to get the bye. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm just enjoying it. There was a lot of good baseball yesterday
0: definitely a lot of good baseball and it's going to be a, a daily occurrence here which is awesome and playoff baseball is just so fun uh, what, what do you think who, who do you think the favorites are in the in the al and the NL
1: yeah uh you know in the national league certainly the Dodgers and Braves are just obscene like' it's sure. really really ridiculous <laughs> how good how good they are uh right now I mean it's just it, it's really it's pretty mind-blowing uh over in the al it does feel pretty open you know I mean if the Orioles are, you know, they were the best team over six months, but they're so young. Like they're so young. Um, and the fact that the Rangers beat the Rays, that's a big step. I mean, the Rays had such an incredible starts of the year and then kind of faded. So the Rangers got that game one at Tampa Bay and then, you know, Houston, you can never count them out with Dusty Baker and, and all the experience they have on that side. So I think, uh, the AL feels a little bit more wide open right now. And, you know, the twins getting that first win. I know they made Coach Vegan pretty happy, but snapping that long streak was a, a big one. And, uh, you know, they've got some experience, too. So I think the AL is wide open and the National League definitely coming down to Atlanta or uh, or L.A. And I, I, bet, I bet Atlanta Bats uh, kind of take care of the LA, uh, L.A. pitchers.
0: Well, it should be uh, interesting to follow. Let's talk about the Cats. Uh, first of all, I mean, y- you follow this team as well as anybody. What have been some of the highlights so far for you uh, of this sort of pseudo first half of the season? Man,
1: so many. Yeah. Um, You know, the running back room has been awesome. Julius Davis has been even better than I think we could imagine. Uh, Scott Ray Humphrey has been a revelation as a true freshman, basically like a bowling ball getting rolled between those tackles. Uh, But I think the biggest thing is the defense. You know, uh, they had a few, you know, mistakes against Portland State, but, you know, Portland State has some guys that are hard to tackle. Dante Shrey is legit. Uh, You know, Quincy Craig is a legit kid. Those are really, really good football players. Uh, So, But I think overall the defense has been a lot of fun to watch. And I think it starts with Drew Polidor. The ability to have a free safety like that, who is as athletic and now as smart about the position as anybody, uh, has allowed them to play more man-to-man and allowed them to bring different pressure from different places. And the other reason you can do that is because of the depth at the cornerback position, which is obscene. I mean, Don Johnson, the transfer, uh, has played awesome. Andrew Podrell, you know, true freshman, has been really fun. I and mean, He's been electric. And so, you know, those two guys weren't even the starters. You know, Miles Jackson and Simeon Woodard both, have broken hands right now with big clubs wrapped around the wrist, and you know you're still getting great cornerback play, and then that allows the D line to do what they're doing. So yeah, I think the defense has has been an absolute blast to watch, especially growing up as a Bears fan. It's always fun when I get to watch a really quality defense, and I think they're only getting better, and they're going to need every bit of that when they get to the crux of the schedule here in the, in October. Totally agree that
0: Paulinor has been somebody that's unlocked it all, and, and uh, you know it's funny because sometimes coaches. They they like to either subdue some stuff or they like to over explain some stuff. But Brent Vegan isn't like that at all. He's just so straightforward and to the point. But I remember coming into last year, he said, "Hey, I, I think we have a chance to be way better on the offensive line." And I was like, "Man, is this guy crazy?" Like they had a great offensive line in 2021. They had multiple All Big Sky guys. Lewis Kidd was a multiple time All American who then went on to the NFL. Taylor Tuyasa Sopo was a you know multiple time All League guy. And they lost other guys that were you know transfers to Power Five programs like Cal and Missouri. So. I was like, man, there's no way they could be better on the offensive front. And then they were. And they used their athleticism to their you know fullest advantage. And they did so many great things. Well, Vegan said something similar about the secondary this year. And I was thinking, well, you know, you you lose Ty Okada and you know you lose some great guys back there. How you how are you gonna possibly be better? Well, they have. They've totally been better. I think so much of it is, like you said, the cornerback depth. But also I think that Paul unlocks a lot of stuff for him there at free safety. And I think Rylan Ort is is if he continues to progress. going to be an all-conference player by the time this thing's all said and done.
1: Yeah, Rylan Ord's really been a lot of fun to watch play. He's just such a sure-hand tackler. He's so direct to the football. Uh, He's just, it's like, he's like a snake waiting in the weeds, man. Like, you just don't even notice it, and all of a sudden, he's 20 yards from where he started, and he's making this tackle, driving the ball carrier backwards. And then the other guys, I mean, we didn't talk about the linebackers, but also, I want to make sure we highlight LaBelle Price Jr. You know, here's a kid who has been sitting around and, and getting limited playing time for five years, he gets, uh, gets into a position battle with Caden Dollar, and it's you know 1A, 1B at the start of the year, and he earns the right to start as the sixth-year guy, which I respect. And now Caden's hurt, and Lavelle's playing basically every snap. I mean, that's so many reps, and that's physically taxing, but also mentally taxing, because we all understand that that nickel position is basically a linebacker and a cornerback. So, you know, you're having to play basically two positions within that nickel position. He's slightly undersized, but I think... He's still done a really nice job of tackling the football. and uh, You know, without him, too, uh, like you said, he's replacing a Ocato. He's running around and, and traveling traveling for football games on Sundays now. So, yeah, the, every little piece of that defense has, has been elevated this year. And on top of that, having as much experience on the defensive line, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be fun because I think now that I've had an opportunity to really watch like Idaho and Sac State and uh, some of these other teams that are at the top of the big sky. You know, I think one of the biggest questions is going to be who's got the best defense out of that. because Every one of those teams can score. Who can get the most stops? And, you know, I think Montana State's certainly in that conversation, but we just don't know yet.
0: Keaton Glogley joining us here on New Otis Now. He's the voice of the Montana State Bobcats. MSU on a bye this week. And uh, catching up, just pretty much about the first half of the season. As uh, now Montana State embarks on the second half of their schedule, a bunch of challenging road games coming up down the road. Uh, offensively, most teams in the in the league and the and the country, if they lose their centerpiece, their their captain, quarterback, and also the face of their program, it ain't good. Well, it hasn't even been an issue whatsoever, and in fact, I think Sean Chambers has looked as good at quarterback as anybody at Montana State in the last handful of years. So, I mean, what have you thought of their ability to just sort of revamp it? and, and uh, run what looks like a little bit different, I mean, sometimes a lot different of an offense, and, and Chambers is just performing at such a high level.
1: Yeah, I mean, what a what a moment in time to watch the way those two quarterback systems has worked out and where you would be without either one. Just, Chambers was hurt plenty last year, and we are seeing Chambers. I think that was, yeah, I, I think his last game against Portland State was his best passing game uh, as a Bobcat. I don't think it was really that, even that close. I mean, he was really, really dialed in. And here's a guy who had, Four rushing attempts as well, so we are seeing him find a little more balance. We heard Coach Began two weeks ago in the press conference, kind of talking about, "Hey, look, like we understand that Sean can be physical. He can be one of the most physical guys in the conference, but he doesn't need to be that physical guy. We just don't need him to be doing that on a daily, on a on a you know play by play basis because that's how you get hurt. You know, you, you're, you're trying to play into January. You don't want to be getting your guys hurt too badly. And yeah, you can deploy that. And we saw them." kind of deploy it a little simpler in a simpler way against Portland state, right? Like he only had basically two design runs up the middle. One went for like 30 yards. The other one went for 88 yards and a touchdown. So like, you don't have to be doing that uh, on an every snap basis for him to be an effective runner. And then when the comes back, it's going to be fun to see the way that they work those two guys in, because it's going to be, it's going to be different. You know, there's just, there's no way what you're watching from chambers right now doesn't, evolve how you want to use both of those guys together when they get back. And we can look back at the beginning of this year or at some of the times last year when they were both on the field, but it was just so much one guy was hurt and the other guy's in, and then it flip-flopped last year. And even at the beginning of the year, they, they were very, very clearly only using the like top line of their playbook, just trying to – ease all of that in and not putting too much on tape. So I can't wait to see how that plays out this year. And then the other question that's been rambling around in my mind about this is what happens next year. And I don't want to get too far ahead because this season's been really fun. And, you know, you want to enjoy the moment and and all those sorts of things, but you can't help but think in the back of your head, you know, how they would want to play things next year with Malat in his final year and chambers, uh, you know, on the move and and finally graduating. So it'd be interesting to see how that happens because, you know, as you, you've seen the way Malat has worked, he's been tremendous. But it's hard to stay healthy because he is a hard runner. And, you know, he's going to be a little bit undersized to some of those linebackers that are going to hit him really, really hard. So it's one of those things that's kind of standing in the back of my mind. But for now, enjoying the moment, enjoying what Sean Chambers gets. It's well-deserved for him. And uh, we'll just, you know, we'll just kind of see and, and let it ride. We don't have to make those decisions. We get to just sit around it and watch it and analyze it. So just try to enjoy how it all plays out.
0: King Logo here on is Now ESPN Radio. It's our Montana State Minute. Uh, last thing for you then, this team's been so good and probably the, the only uh, thing that didn't go pretty darn well in the first half of this season was just not closing it out against South Dakota State and all the different details and things that went into that. But... You know, I think that you'd probably say Montana State's exactly where they wanted to be and where they need to be. They're number two in the country. You know, they, they're riding a 10-game winning streak in league play, and they've, you know, they've been unbeaten at home for years and years now. Points in, of improvement, though? I mean, is there anywhere that Montana State could still improve and turn a corner here in the second half?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the defense still has room to grow. It, it's been a lot of fun to watch, but Portland State, probably the most complete offense we've seen to this point. You know, they, they did slow down South Dakota State in a big way, um, which really, I think, proved something. But at the same time, that was week two. And when you watch that game, it was very much a week two game with some of the mistakes on both sides and neither team really in their full rhythm, in their full playbook. So, you know, that's, that was a little bit different. And Portland State was so far the most complete. And they did struggle at times with Dante Chachere. And they're going to see more quality running quarterbacks with, you know, what, what Eastern Washington is doing, depending on if the, uh, the Sparrows is healthy, you know, especially with Sac State and Idaho as well. I think they have the corners to cover those wide receivers, and that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But, uh, yeah, that, that'll be, I think, really, really interesting to see how this defense continues to grow because uh, I think some of the soft underbelly did show a little bit in that Portland State game. There was some more questionable tackling. There was a few times where they lost the contain. Part of that was, you know, you played the first half without Louis Lakefa and without, without Dan Nolan Askelson in the second half. So, as great as McKay as O'Reilly has been, he's obviously not going to be on the level of those two guys because that's why they're, you know, your top two starters. And they're extremely experienced. And this is the first year for McCabe getting through, you know, routine reps. So, yeah, I think there's still some room to, to grow on that uh, on that defensive side. And with the, the lack of depth of that nickel position, you know, LaBelle Price Jr. is going to be asked to do a lot this year. And he's going to have to really step up, as he has, and it's a long season, but man, he he's kind of that, like, uh, uh, one of the unsung heroes there with Caden Dollar going down, because you know how much they love to rotate guys in and have the depth on that defensive side, and really both sides of the football and to not have that depth now at that nickel position, you know, Lavell's going to be carrying a lot of water on this defense, so yeah, I think just some of that some of that, making sure you got the contain, slowing down some of these running quarterbacks and making sure you're tackling on a consistent basis. And as well as we saw them tackle at Weaver, they've tackled that well all season long. So that's kind of what I'm looking forward, looking at moving forward.
0: King Glogley, Voice of the Bobcats, here on nuanas Now. Keaton, thanks for the uh, time, man. Really appreciate it. And I uh, probably won't see you for Cal Poly, but definitely will see you down in Sacramento in a couple weeks. So looking forward to that. But uh, in the meantime, enjoy the bye week, man. Thanks for doing it.
1: Sweet. Appreciate you, man.
0: There you go, Voice of the Bobcats, here on Nuanna's Now. Been following along. We've been doing this uh, fun trip down memory lane. This awesome book by Jeff Welsh, Montana Greats from A to Z: the greatest athletes from 264 Montana communities. Tomorrow, I had a good idea. Sometimes I have them time to time. We we have our Bitterroot breakdown each week, highlighting things from the Bitterroot Valley. Well, I want to ask Jeff. About some of the athletes from the Bitterroot that are in this book, so we'll go through that tomorrow with Jeff about 5:30. So looking forward to that. But we've just been going through this page by page, and we just happened to be on a Montana State guy for the town of Avon. Avon's outside of Helena. It's a it's a it's a ranching town. I mean, it's, there's not there's nothing there besides a, ra- a couple ranches, basically. But the Bignell family makes their homestead there. And uh, the athlete from Avon, Mac Bigdell. Big Nell is a big name in a big state and none are bigger than Mac, who was a dominant athlete at small school powerhouse Drummond that went on to become a standout linebacker after walking on at Montana State. He was a star quarterback and basketball player for the Trojans, once scoring seven touchdowns against R. Lee and 41 points in a hoops game against Victor, a captain for the Bobcats. He led the team in tackles for three years running. Big Nell earned all Big Sky honors as a junior and uh, All-American honors as a senior. He was an uh, invitee to the Philadelphia Eagles camp. And had a cup of coffee in the NFL. One of my favorite stories I've written at Skyline Sports was a profile on Mac Bignell. Mac Bignell lost his hearing when he was a little boy. And he's not fully deaf, but he's he's most of the way deaf. And but he, he can communicate perfectly fine. He can have a full-on conversation with you. He talks incredibly well. He's a great quote. And he's a very insightful guy. But he told me about how his instincts as a football player he thought, were accentuated by the fact that he couldn't hear. He had to learn how to see things way better. And if you watched him play, man, the guy triggered like that. He 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 could diagnose a play and, and seal on a ball carrier and tackle that guy swiftly, seriously as well as any player I have ever covered in the Big Sky Conference. He was a true pleasure to get to know and a true pleasure to cover. What an outstanding player he was, but also what a great story. I mean, you talk about things that can hold you back in life, but then turning those into your biggest advantages. I just thought it was an incredible deal. And he's a he's a really cool dude. I know he's still around the Avon area and uh, spending a lot of time hunting and riding his horse and uh, being a Montanan. And so uh, what, what a great story. But to Avon, Montana, a little dot on the map, but one of the great athletes, I'm sure, in that book comes from Avon. So we'll keep doing that tomorrow, highlighting some of the bitter root towns from Montana greats with our good buddy, Jeff Welsh. Give you some baseball updates on uh, if anything's closed out and uh, also give you a preview for the rest of the week. Keep it right here. is Now, ESPN Radio.
1: It's is Now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television.
0: Well, that was quick. Welcome back. You want us now, ESPN Radio, SWX, Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. The Twinkies moving on. Minnesota, 2-0 over the Blue Jays. So uh, we had some AL wildcard action planned for you tomorrow during the lunchtime hour. But both the AL series are already done. The Rangers moved on earlier today, beating the Rays 7-1. And uh, now the Twins, 2-0 over the Blue Jays. So they are into the next round. It's now just the National League wildcard series remaining. Brewers up 2-0 on the Diamondbacks. Brew crew need to win that one to stay uh, alive. And then uh, we will be rolling right into Marlins at Phillies. Philadelphia wins. Uh, They move on. Miami wins. They'll force a uh, deciding game three. So plenty of baseball action going on. If you missed anything in the show today, we talked college football with Sam Herter. We talked uh, some Grizz hockey with Mike Anderson. We talked some big sky football with Miles Hastings, the quarterback of UC Davis. We talked all the way around the Major League Baseball playoffs and some great Major League Baseball storylines from the regular season. Jeff Safford and Andrew Houghton both uh, contributing on the ESPN roundtable. And we also heard from Keaton Gologli, the voice of the Montana State Bobcats, as part of our Montana State Minute. You can find all of it on the No Is Now podcast, which is probably presented by Blackfoot Communications. To see how Blackfoot can help you and your small business, visit goblackfoot.com, the M-Store, where they're all grizz all the time, and the MSU Bookstore, your best place to get blue and gold on game day or any other day. uh, Tomorrow, fun show for you. We'll hear from, as I mentioned, Jeff Welch, talking Montana greats, Bitterroot Valley style. Brooks Duanas, all things NFL. We'll also hear from Rocky Lencioni. He is a uh, stud receiver at Bozeman High School. He's getting a ton of interest recruiting-wise from the Ivy League, the Pac-12, and the Montana schools. And then we'll also hear from Mike Cody. He's the offensive coordinator and offensive line coach at UC Davis. Dan Hawkins unavailable this week, so count up with somebody else. We'll see you tomorrow at 4 p.m. You want us now, ESPN Radio. Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M-Store.